0: Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Today, though, we will be in Galatians. We are going to keep going through there, and I've been loving studying that and working through it. And we are progressing through up to chapter four, bit by bit, uh, as we set the scene for today. Um, It's a bit of a different discussion here, different sermon today, as we see a more personal side of of Paul the Apostle. Uh, Let me just tell you, pastoral ministry is people ministry. Pastoral ministry is people ministry. As a pastor, myself, you have the privilege to be involved in the everyday life of people. You get to experience their successes and the joys of people's lives. But you're also invited into their pain and difficulty in life as well. You've experienced both sides of that. And my experience of that is that as you enter into those experiences, you actually feel that as well to some extent as you're ministering with people. When someone is explaining to you that the waywardness of their children and how they seem to be walking away from Christ, there's a sense where you feel what they're going through. You feel the pain that those people are feeling at the same time. What we're going to see today with Paul is a personal side where he emotionally, as it were, wants to connect with the Galatians as the planting pastor of that church there. So go with me to Galatians chapter 4 and we're going to read from verses 8 through 20. Starting at verse 8. Formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by nature that are not God's. But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have laboured over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you. Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible you would have gouged out your eyes and have given them to me, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out. They want they that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose and not only when I'm present with you, my little children for whom I'm again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now And change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Father, we thank you today that we can come now and allow your word to speak into our hearts. We pray, Holy Spirit, just open up our hearts now, we ask, as we see Paul emotionally engaging here with these Galatians, entreating them, calling them his children, going through the pain of childbirth, as it were, again, to see Christ formed within them. Help us to draw a connection from this today, Lord, as we enter into this passage. Well, I pray. Shed light onto it now for us, Holy Spirit, we ask. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when reading through Galatians, you come across here a very different aspect of Paul. In this passage right here, up to this point, reading through the book of Galatians, Paul has had a fairly strong tone, as it were, with his heart grieved over the path that the Galatians have chosen to go down. He's been fairly strong with his words. He's spoken quite firmly, not really mincing any words at all, letting the Galatians know quite clearly what he thinks about where they're going and what path they've chosen this particular time. Hearing the news from them, he has not been happy about that and he's gone that way. But what we see here now is a real picture from Paul of a pastor's heart towards his congregation as they choose this path of error. And what Paul reveals here is this. It's the inward working of the Holy Spirit, as it were, as his heart is transformed by the gospel and filled with Christ's love, which now flows out, as it were, with love and compassion for the Galatian churches here, where he's writing to. Here's where we're going to go today. It's this, as the Holy Spirit forms Christ in us... We should then long to see Christ formed in others. As Christ is formed in us, we should long to see Christ formed in others. We'll do something a little different today. We'll interact with this passage from the perspective of a pastor and a congregation. So the pastor's charge and call and then the congregation's responsibility there in that sense. And we'll see it here from Paul's perspective and see how that works out for us today as well as we open this up. Firstly, Paul is the church planting pastor here of the churches in Galatia. And he has this intimate acquaintance with the people of that province. Paul is burdened by a deep conviction of the gospel. His heart is overflowing with the love of the Holy Spirit. So he sets off to proclaim Christ on mission for the gospel for Jesus. He meets the Galatians on his first journey here. And he finds a listening ear that the Spirit has prepared for him. The Galatians, they grasp and they embrace the good news of gospel. They, they embrace Jesus as proclaimed through the gospel. And no doubt with tremendous joy as they understand who Jesus is. And the Paul and the Galatians rejoiced together. Look in verses 13 and 14, which you see a little snapshot of that. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. So for some reason, maybe he was, we'll see, an eye condition caused him to stop in Galatia for some time, and Paul made the most of that. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. They received Paul gladly, and his message, as though they were receiving Jesus Christ himself, as Paul opened up that truth. Again in verse 15, we see there they had a state of blessedness joy in Christ to the point for their love for Paul they would have given him their very own eyes if they could have because of his eye condition and if we believe some of the extra writings of this time Paul wasn't as it were because you might think was he some sort of high-powered speaker who could just come in and razzle dazzle with his charisma Paul wasn't that he wasn't this high-powered well-dressed guy preaching the gospel actually what we know about Paul from tradition is he was short He was badly scarred from all the Roman lashings that he received because of the gospel. He was also beaten and bruised by the Jews. And at this time he had some sort of really ugly eye condition. That's how Paul was. But they received him with joy and a state of blessedness. But what Paul experiences now with the Galatians is anything but that. He actually experiences a sense of pain through them now and the way he's being treated by them. It's an emotional pain. It's felt in Paul's heart. They're embracing another pathway and they're leaving Christ and going another direction. And Paul's feeling this completely. In verses 8 and 11, he says, There, you were formerly enslaved to the things of this world, trying to be saved when you were formerly enslaved by these things. He said, you've gone back to this worthless religion that you've come from, commemorating days and months and seasons and years, all in obedience to Jewish custom to try and earn salvation. You've gone back to that, Paul says. You're going to be enslaved again. Paul says, I fear that I may have laboured for you in vain. How could you return back to those things? But he's feeling that, he's feeling the sense of loss, the sense of pain. Then he says again in verse 15, what has become of your blessedness? What has become of the joy that you had in Christ? What has become of this peace that you knew? Paul's feeling that as well. He's feeling like you've lost something and it's it's, it's hurting me as I feel that. Then in verse 17, Paul again refers to these false teachers. He says they're taking advantage of you. They're abusing you. They're actually taking you for a ride. And the Galatians, you guys, you are taking it hook, line and sinker. You just swallowed the whole thing. Paul's saying, I'm feeling this backsliding here, as it were, over the church of Galatia. He's feeling the grief here of seeing these people turn from Christ and go down another pathway, which is not the gospel at all. He's feeling this pain. that's the heart of a true pastor, feeling what's happening within the congregation. A shepherd feels the pain when the sheep are walking away from Christ. I know myself, when I see people making bad choices, there's a sense of heaviness and pain that sits in your own heart when that's happening. Sometimes I see some of the younger ones as they go through a really challenging stage of life and you get on, you watch their social media feed and you hear a bit of chatter on the ground about these particular ones and you feel for them. You feel for these terrible choices they're making. You see the pictures on social media and you think, you poor thing you're so lost and you're dazzled by this world that you're actually walking down this path of destruction and you feel it, you feel a heaviness about them. You can see what they're doing is they're making the same choice millions of other teenagers have made previous to that. And you feel this sense of, I can't believe they're doing this. You feel that. And you think, I can't believe that you're believing the lies of the devil, the deception of this world, and you're buying into this. In the world of a pastor, there's a load of hurt at times that you must bear as gospel love flows out towards others. You get involved in their lives, just as Paul is involved with the lives of the Galatians here and feeling what is happening through them. Paul also gives us another little insight here uh, into the personal side of pastoring, as it were, and working with the congregation. And it says, pastors are to be people of the truth truth in the gospel, and truth in all of life regardless. And sometimes that costs. Look what he says in verse 16. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? This isn't a light throwaway line for Paul. Paul in love has been truthful with the Galatians all along, but they're not happy with what he's saying they don't like what he's saying this is the fact sometimes you'll lose friends over truth at times speaking the truth it is the most loving thing that you can do in life it is the most loving thing you can do in life to avoid a conversation to avoid the truth because it's hard and you feel like you might hurt somebody with what you've got to say even though they do need to hear it It's probably the most unloving thing to do to avoid that conversation. We need to be able to speak the truth and pastors especially are called to do that. Here's an example here of how that might look. Somebody may have this really successful career. It's really going places. This person loves his wife, loves his family and is providing all sorts of wonderful things for his family. And it looks great on the outside. Yet at the same time as you catch up with his wife, you you begin to see here that this guy has really fallen off the pace as far as gospel living is concerned. The wife tells me she never sees him reading his Bible. She can't remember the last time he prayed. And getting along to church, well, if I can fit it in maybe once or twice a quarter, I might just get along to church. But he seems to be loving his family, doing all these other things. And it sounds like his career at this point in time is bringing in the money, but it's also beginning to consume him. And as it were, Jesus is falling off the radar. When it comes to career, he's white hot. But when it comes to Jesus and the gospel, he's growing cold. There's a conversation to be had there. Do I avoid that conversation? Do I just let things go on and just see what happens? Should I just pretend I didn't hear anything and just let things take their course and maybe, hopefully, it works out in the end? How do you do that? Well, no. The most loving thing to do is the truth must be said. The truth must be spoken. The conversation must be had. If you keep pursuing your career like this, you'll trade in your soul for it. Now, you won't come straight out and say it like that, but you'll have many words where you want to end up at that point. You might lose a friendship over that. But that's the truth. It needs to be spoken. Pastors are commissioned by Jesus to speak the truth, and sometimes that will cost. Jesus spoke the truth, and what did it cost him? It cost him his life for simply speaking the truth. Now, I do take great comfort in this, that whatever I preach or share with people is straight from the Bible as best as I can see it. As best as I can see it, the Bible, that's how I'll try and engage with people. So at the end of the day, if your disagreement with or argument with me won't necessarily be with me, it'll actually be with Jesus. It'll be with the truth that he says. Now, it still hurts me when I see people walk away from that, But that's where the end of the day argument will finish. You haven't disagreed with me, you've disagreed with what Jesus says. Pastors must speak the truth. The congregation are called by Jesus to submit to his word, Christ's word, as proclaimed by the pastor. I love what Paul says next as he's working through this this sort of uh, emotional connection here with the Galatians. And what he says next, he gets right at the heart, as it were, of the overflow of God's spirit working through the gospel out of the heart of a pastor. And Paul says this, I want Christ formed in you. And note the tenderness here with how Paul says this as well. Look in verses 18 and 19, you see here this picture coming of Paul. Now he's just talking about the false believers, uh, false teachers here before and he's saying it is always good to be much of for a good purpose and not only when I'm present with you, he's, he's saying it's good to be made much of but for a good purpose, not only when I'm present with you but then he says my little children, my little children for whom I'm again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's the desire there for Paul. He sees these Galatians here tenderly as little children and not, as it were, notches on his Bible belt. I've got some more. Blown up his own ego. I've got some more. They're not notches on his Bible belt. He sees them tenderly as little children. And he says that he feels the anguish or the pain of giving birth, as it were, in seeing this goal take place. That's the goal he wants. He wants Christ formed. But he's going through this anguish again to see this take place within them. And look what he's driving at there at the end of verse 19. Until Christ is formed in you. This is the true heart of a pastor. He wants to see Jesus formed in people, formed in people, growing. He's not, he's, Paul's not content with the Galatians to simply understand the gospel and just be saved. He wants to see Jesus Christ transforming every aspect of who they are. Paul wants Christ formed within them. He wants Jesus to be growing and maturing in them as people. Paul wants to be wants the gospel to be shaping and transforming every part of who they are. Not just like a ticket to get out of hell, but a transformation in the very person of Christ now, as it were, shining out of these individuals. The Galatians are falling for these lies of the false teachers because they're lacking this maturity in Christ. They're not able to discern that and they're just falling over when they hear this deceptive lies coming from them. But Paul wants the Galatians, as it were, to treasure Christ so that every fibre of their being is enthralled by Christ. Not just an add-on to their life. He is my life and he transforms every part of me. This is the sort of stuff that Paul wants to see the hearts gripped by these, the Galatians. Have a look at this passage with me in Colossians and just see what Paul is doing here as he paints this really big vision of Jesus. Look in Colossians chapter 1. We'll have it for you on the screen as well. He says this about Jesus. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him, that is Jesus, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile him to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, Galatians, Colossians, people of Shepherd, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds... Paul wants to help help them to see this big vision of who Jesus is, that He's before all things and in Him all things hold together. I don't breathe unless Jesus allows me to breathe, and He's the one who's died for me because He's reconciled me by His blood upon that cross. Paul wants them to be enthralled by who Christ is. What a Christ! What a Savior! What a Redeemer! What a Lord, what a priceless treasure he is. And Jesus is ours because he calls us his very own. What does Paul do? He labours with all of his being and thinks of every possible way that somehow Jesus can be formed within the Galatians to get this picture and to get this vision of who Christ is. Paul goes on and says this in Colossians as well. Colossians chapter 1. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may what? Present everyone mature in Christ. Christ formed within them. For this I toil, says Paul, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. What's Paul do? He's not proclaiming himself. Paul's proclaiming Christ so that everyone would be mature in Christ, that Christ would be formed in everyone. And Paul says, I'm doing this through toil and struggling there in Colossians, which sounds very much like the pain and anguish of childbirth again. He's working for this. He's straining for this. He's doing this with the energy that offers God's spirit that lives within him. He wants to see Christ formed within everybody. Why does Paul do this? Because he knows from the experience he's received in Christ, he knows that Jesus is the all-surpassing treasure. Paul knows that Jesus' love is the immeasurable love that we have. It's overflowing out of me now, this truth of who Christ is. And he says this in Romans 8 as he shares this experience. He says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. That's a lot he's just said right there. All of that cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord that is filling up Paul and it's flowing out of him and he wants other people to know this. He wants this Jesus formed inside of them. It's an overflow of God's spirit to see the formation of Christ in these Galatians. It's from this gospel love that Paul yearns and pleads for the Galatians to grow in Christ. Look in verse 12, he uses this really powerful word, entreat. Entreat. It's like Paul from the depths of his heart is saying, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging of you. Let Christ be formed within you. Here's where we land with this today as we see Paul pouring out his heart here and knowing who Christ is and allowing Christ to flow out of his heart and life. Here's where we land. As the lead elder here at Exchange, along with Rob and Stephen, we are pleading with you to all grow in Christ, that Christ would be formed within you and consume you. That's our heart's desire as the eldership of the church, to see the gospel do its work of maturing and seeing Jesus become the all-surpassing treasure of your life. Everything we think of, everything we plan for, everything we put our energy towards, everything we spend our finances upon, next week as we go down to the Queen's Gardens, it's all about connecting people to Jesus and growing people in Jesus. That Christ would be formed within us. That is why we support Hannah and the EC Kids team, so we can invest in the next generation to be filled with Christ, formed in Christ, so they can actually walk through this world and overcome the world. We love our kids. We want to see Christ formed within them. So we invest in that. We put energy in that. That's why we extend our paid ministry here through an associate pastor and to use those resources to partner with parents by seeing our youth, the generation after the kids, have a deep and growing faith that won't be overcome by this world. We invest in that because we want to see Christ formed within them. We know that they live in a dangerously deceptive world that's chipping away at our faith all the time, particularly this very impressionable age. They need all the help that we can give them to see Christ formed within them. So we invest in that. That's our drive, that's our goal. We invest in frontline missions with people like Wolfgang and Diane with the same purpose. We want to empower them and support them so they can see people uh, with Christ formed within them in northern Thailand. That's the goal. It's to see Christ formed within them, to encourage these ones, to build them up. What Paul's helping us to to see today is we're not dealing with numbers. You're, You're not a number. You're not represented by your mobile phone, telephone number, okay? You're a human being. Created in God's image, where we want to deal with you personally and emotionally, have those ties, we actually connect that way. It's not clinical. This is the love of the gospel that should flow between us. Getting invested in people's lives, wanting to see Christ formed within us. Our kids, our youth, people of northern Thailand, that's what they are that people crowd the image of God and we want to see Christ form with them. We want to plead with them that they would walk in Christ and not take another pathway. Does that mean that I, we, will get everything right with what we do? With all of our plans and all of our purposes and all of our energies? Does it mean we'll get everything right? No, of course not. Why? Because I'm here. I'm a work in progress. I'm broken. But by God's grace, I'm striving along with Rob and Steve, the eldership of the church, to follow Jesus through all my imperfections. So that Christ will be formed in you. This is what the elders ask. That we would seek to model and teach Christ and let's do this as a community together submitted to the chief shepherd and Jesus himself. We want to see Christ formed within every single person. Let me finish here as we think about a congregation's response to this. How would that look? Well, I've got this, uh, as I was studying this week, I've got this um, quote from John Stott, which really helped me. Now, I'm not saying you guys aren't doing this, but it helps to clarify this passage, I think. Here's what John Stott says. He says this. Instead, a congregation's attitude to their minister should be determined by his loyalty to the apostolic message. We've already seen that no minister, however exalted his rank in the visible church, is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Nevertheless... If he's faithful in teaching what the apostles taught, a godly congregation will humbly receive his message and submit to it. They will neither resent it nor reject it. Rather, they will welcome it, even with the deference which, were they, which they would give to an angel of God, to Christ Jesus himself, because that they recognise that the minister's message is not the minister's message, but the message of Jesus Christ. It is certainly not about me. It is certainly not about me, Rob and Steve as the elders of this church. It is certainly all about Jesus Christ. And our heart is that Christ would be formed within us. Why is that? Because when Christ is formed within us, we are equipped. We are equipped to overcome this world, to overcome the deception, to overcome the lies, to overcome all temptations that might come our way as we see Christ formed within us. This is the call that Paul's put into the Galatians, and this is the call from my heart to see every single person sitting before me and others who will eventually join this church, that Christ will be formed within them, because he changes everything. Everything. For the good. Doesn't mean it'll be easy, but he changes everything for the good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today as we just see this picture of Paul, as it were, just pleading with the Galatians, uniting his heart to their hearts, Lord, seeing them take this path falling away from you, walking down the pathway of destruction. Lord, as he feels that pain, as he feels that choice that they make. God, I pray not only myself, but others as we see, whether it's young people in those transitional teenage years, making just horrendous choices, blinded by this world. May we feel that as well, Lord, to some extent. May we be a congregation so filled with the love of Christ that we feel it when people are going in a different direction. May that same heart, I pray God, overflow with a a pain, a yearning, a burden that we would want to see Christ formed within them, knowing the priceless treasure that he is, the glory that he is, the joy that he is, the strength that he is, the love that he is, That he changes everything. He makes sense of life for us. He is life for us. Holy Spirit, would you do that work in our hearts today, I pray. That we just don't turn up on Sunday and tick the box. We don't maybe turn up midweek and tick the box. That the gospel becomes our life intimately involved and connected with the people, all of us looking and yearning for Christ to be formed within us and enjoying the glorious fruits that come from that today. Please engage us in that, I pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.